the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He was recognized in 2012 as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Horses Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. For those of you who know the show, the show is in a couple of different parts. The first part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law. And the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, avoiding probate, and as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. And, you know, again, I founded Connors and Sullivan about 40 years ago, and we're a firm that does estate planning in elder law. And right now, Connors and Sullivan is open for business. So if you want to schedule an appointment with me or one of the other attorneys, give us a call at 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. Now, you can also email questions to the show and Today, I'm accompanied by my wife, Beth. Hi, everybody. My son, Michael. Hello, everyone. And, you know, we're in our, you know, I don't want to steal from somebody else, but in our underground bunker in Brooklyn, we also have our dog, Otto, with us. So he doesn't he doesn't seem to be too interested in the The whole family is here. Okay. So, Beth, email questions. All right. Our first question is from Robert. Hi, Mr. Connors. I listened to your show on the radio. My wife passed away a few years ago, and we never had any children. So I'm all alone. I own a few properties in New York City and want to leave my estate to a dear family friend. Would your office be able to serve as the executor of my will to make sure all my wishes are followed? The answer is yes. Of course, one of the questions would have to ask, why couldn't your friend serve as executor? And of course, there could be a lot of different reasons. Maybe your friend is of advanced age and is not able to handle it, or maybe they're not just sophisticated enough to handle it. Um, but ordinarily, if you do a will, your executor is going to be you know, a member of your family. Obviously, you said you don't have members of your family. So in that case, or if you're going to leave in your will, you're going to leave it to charity. Yes, you know, we, Connors and Sullivan, can act as your executor. But again, I stress, if, if you have family members, son, daughter, trusted nephew or niece, ordinarily you're going to pick a family member first because it's going to cost more to have an attorney administer your state than a family member. But yeah, if you're in a position where you don't have family member or your relatives are overseas and they're not U.S. citizens and we got to get the money overseas, or most of the time we do serve as executors when you're leaving it to charity. 
So yes, you're more than welcome to talk to us about it. But my first question would be, is your friend able to serve as executor? And then the other question might be, as far as your friend is concerned, what if something happens to your friend? What's our alternate plan? Because every good estate plan has what ifs. Yes, you can leave it to your friend and that's fine. But if something happens to your friend, we should have a plan in place because you never know what's going to happen in this world. And, you know, you could say, well, you know, the, the, the person I'm leaving it to is 20, 30 years younger than I am. Things happen in this world. You never know. And so a good plan always, you know, looks to take the what ifs. And, and Michael, where can they email us a question? Anyone who wants to reach out to the show and ask Dad a question can reach us at askmikeconnors at gmail.com. That's askmikeconnors at gmail.com. Connors is, of course, spelled C-O-N-N-O-R-S. That is C-O-N-N-O-R-S. Okay, now, we're, you know, each week, one of those email questions gets picked up by Kevin McCullough, and he asks that question on his show, which you can hear on 970 The Answer, if you listen to us on that station. Monday through Friday at 5 o'clock, an extended bonus hour at 4 o'clock on Wednesdays when John Katsimatidis joins the show. And you can hear him on 570 The Mission Monday through Friday at 3 o'clock. So either one of the two, both stations we're on, Kevin's also on. So Kevin, take it away. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Every week we promise you you're going to get your estate care and elder law questions answered with Mike Connors, none other than none other than from Connors & Sullivan, the legendary law firm that specializes in those things, the only one I recommend to my friends. Uh, and, Mike, this week uh, the question comes from Norman. He said, uh, Mom wants to put my name on the deed to the house to protect it from, say, a nursing home. If she moves into the nursing home and I don't live with her, is this a good idea? Mike Connors. No, it's it's not a good idea because, number one, uh, you know, if mom, whether mom passes away, if you want to sell the house, you don't live in the house. If Norman doesn't live in the house, he's going to pay capital gains on the house from whatever mom's tax base is in. If she bought the house 30, 40 years ago, next to nothing. And when he sells it, he's going to get killed with that capital gain. Two, there's no great advantage in nursing home between just giving the house away and putting it in a trust. The advantage of the trust, let's say if mom's a senior citizen, she still gets the senior citizen's exemption, star program exemptions. If she still sells the house while she's alive, she's the owner of the house for tax purposes, so she gets the benefits from that point of view. And if you hold the house in a trust till after mom's gone, it goes out tax-free to the heirs. You know, so up to $6 million in New York, $5,980,000. $5, $50,000. So it sounds like the trust solves all the problems. Yeah, in this case it does. Plus, mom still has some control. Because a lot of times people do that. They just put somebody else's name on the deed. God forbid Norman dies before mom. Mom may not be crazy about Norman's wife owning this property. Gotcha. So, friends, maybe you're in a similar situation. And if you are, then the only place I suggest that you call is Connors & Sullivan. Their team of experts will make sure that your question gets answered in a timely fashion, and you cannot beat their customer service. The McCulloughs are living proof. 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. And make sure to uh, get your questions uh, answered. Uh, Mike uh, answers a ton of them, not only here, but also Saturday mornings at 8 o'clock and Saturday evenings at 6 on AM 570 and FM 102.3, The Mission, and Sunday morning starting at 11 on AM 970, The Answer. Mike Connors, thanks so much. Thank you, Kevin. 
If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646, or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Again, today, accompanied by my wife, Beth. Yep. My son, Michael. Hello. And our dog, Otto. (laughs) So, Michael, what's the next question that we have to answer on our email? All right. Our next email question is from Mark. Hi, Mike. I'm the legal guardian for a loved one. The care facility continually tries to list me as the guarantor. I've been told there is a difference between guarantor and guardian and that I should not be held accountable for my loved one's bills as he does have his own income and accounts as an adult who has worked all his life. The facility refuses to change the records. What should I do? Thanks. Well, I wouldn't, Mark, I wouldn't worry too much about what the facility has, as long as you didn't sign as guarantor personally. Now, in some respects, yeah, out of the assets of your ward, the person for whom you are a guardian, you may be responsible to pay the bills out of your ward money but not your own i wouldn't worry about it too much it's very hard for a uh, care facility to go against another person to pay a bill but be careful at the same time if you're in one of these situations being careful at the same time what you're signing do not guarantee to make a payment for somebody else because that could get you in a situation i think we could get you out of it but we don't want to be in the situation in the first place so always be extremely careful what you sign a guarantor is a person that says I will pay the bill of this person if they don't pay it themselves. And obviously, we almost never have to do that. Occasionally, we might do it for a short period of time for an assisted living facility, as long as we know the person that we're guaranteeing for has the money themselves and you want to get them into the facility. As far as a Medicaid facility is concerned, they really don't have the right to ask you to guarantee anything. But if you're a guarantor, that means I promise to pay for my own money if the person doesn't pay for his or her own money, the first person liable. So you got to be careful, uh, and always be careful. And, you know, if you're in one of those situations, just don't sign something without talking to a lawyer. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious, but you'd be surprised what some people do sign without talking to a lawyer because in some cases, some people at a facility just put something in front of you. So be careful. A reputable facility is not going to do that, but... Be careful. And there there are rules, again, if you're a Medicaid provider, you can't just ask somebody to guarantee payment. That's not ethical or legal. 
And, uh, you, you know, again, I think it's worth repeating again, Michael, where, where does somebody email us our questions? Whenever you want to reach us, you can email us at askmikeconnors at gmail.com. Askmikeconnors at gmail.com. Connors spelled C-O-N-N-O-R-S. Again, if, if you want to learn more about Connors and Sullivan, you can get on our website. I think it's www.connorsandsullivan.com. We have offices in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. We do not charge for the initial consultation. The first consultation is free on anything that we're talking about as far as estate planning and elder law. And here, some people don't realize this. If you want to schedule an appointment with me, you're more than welcome to schedule an appointment with me. And and right now, I mean, we're, we are open, you know, COVID, but my schedule is not as booked as it usually is. So you, you, in theory, could call one day and get to see me the next day. And, you know, it gives an opportunity to, to, to talk things over. And, you know, a lot of times when we do meet people, we talk about other stuff like baseball, you know, like Gil Hodges is coming up for uh, another Hall of Fame vote. we got to get Gil Hodges into the Hall of Fame. Civil War, politics, history, religion, you're more than welcome to talk about those subjects. But again, sooner or later, we do want to get into estate planning and elder law. And again, the idea is to make it easy for your loved ones. And, you know, right now, it's hard going through probate because the courts are closed. Now, six months ago when I was doing my seminars and I was talking about why you want to avoid probate, now I would talk about court delays. But it never even conceived, wasn't even, I didn't even conceive of the thought that the courts could be closed for four or five months and that things could be stalled up and that people could be waiting for contracts to be signed and you can't sign the contract because you don't have authority. Uh, you can avoid that by avoiding probate. And one of the ways you avoid probate, if you own real estate, the best way to avoid probate is through a trust agreement. A trust agreement ordinarily is a family contract. It's your house as long as you're alive. After you're gone, it goes to the next generations, the beneficiaries. You know, the day after you're gone, they can sell your property with a death certificate. So if you want to make it easy for your relatives, your friends, whoever you're going to leave in your plan, give us a call at Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, and we can talk it over. Now, as I mentioned before, the show was in uh, a couple of parts, and one of the interviews we have, we're having two interviews, Fran Marone, chairman of the Conservative Party in Brooklyn, and we're having one of the old actors, I, I was sad to learn he passed away not that long ago, but I did miss it, James Drury. And James Drury, for most of you my age, he was the Virginian. He was the guy who was the Virginian for years and years and years with Doug McClure in the supporting role there. Um, and, and one of my favorite films that I've ever watched was the Sam Peckinpah movie, Ride the High Country. And James Drury is one of the elder brothers. And, of course, one of our other favorite actors who we've interviewed in the past was L.Q. Jones, who was another one of the elder brothers. They were the bad guys who went up against... Uh, Joel McRae and Randolph Scott. And Beth, I know you always love that movie. It's a great movie. We even showed it to the Cub Scouts years and years ago because um, there was a badge and they wanted something, movies that would um, teach a, mor a, a moral, a morality play. So something is, and this was, this is a fantastic movie on many different levels. So I recommend it any any adolescent should watch it. It's just powerful. The performances by Randolph Scott and Joel McRae are extraordinary. And Sam Peckinpah, this is great. It's great. Yeah, and, and 
the performances by James Drury and L.Q. Jones. Absolutely. You know, and both of them were on the Virginian. And in fact, the Virginian, you know, we've had there's three guys we've had on for Virginian: James Drury, L.Q. Jones, and Clue Gulliger. And I, they're three of the favorite interviews they're that great. I've ever done. It's and, just and, so much fun. And, and for those of you, so once upon a time in Hollywood, Clue Gulliger is plays the book store owner in that now i mean it's just a brief part but i i guess it's quentin tarantino's homage to the careers you know he's got white hair now just just in case you watched the the old white guy behind the the desk he's at the bookstore he sells margot robbie as sharon tate the book so (laughs) keep an eye out but i always like i always like clue and and you know of course when he was on the show we talked about the movie he did Directed by Don Siegel, which he had Lee Marvin and Ronald Reagan, as he said, Ronald Reagan <laughs> shot him and killed him in that movie, The Killers. It's one of Ronald Reagan's last films, and it was it was a good performance by Ronald Reagan. You know, can we? Is that interview on our our uh, YouTube? I no. believe I believe not. No. no, I don't think so. No. Okay, we better get it on there. But in we the meanwhile, we're going to be talking a little bit about politics, and then we're going to be talking to James Jory. You're listening to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit CCB. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. You know, Bay Ridge Diker Heights, you know, a a little while back we had a, a march to defend, or if they need defending, but talking about the police officers in, in New York City. And we have one of the organizers of that march, Fran Marone, chairman of the Conservative Party, Kings County. Welcome to Connor's Corner. Thank you. All right. Now, I've been reading some stuff in the newspapers. You're a pretty bad person, aren't you? Yeah, I guess you can't you can't believe everything you read, though, in these days in the paper. Fake news, as I like to say. Yeah. When did you become a member of the KKK? I don't know. As a, I, I don't think I have the bona fides to be be part of the KKK. You know, being Catholic and Italian background, I don't think I'd fit in. No, I don't think they take you. No, I don't think so. And, and you know, my wife's family's from Louisiana, and they used to have some run-ins with the KKK or whatever. But uh, you know, because her, I don't know if you remember, but her family was originally abolitionists from back in the nineteenth uh, century. Yeah, and if if you had a bunch of unionists in the family at that time, they didn't exactly forgive you in the post-war period. Yeah. So, and that, it was, that, that went on for generations. Yeah, you weren't welcomed by them, huh? Yeah. Right. Long memories down there. Yeah. But in any event, I, I, again, I guess you wouldn't qualify to be a member of the KKK. But where where do these allegations come from? Uh, they're crazy allegations. People can make up anything they want if they want to. You know, they want it to fit their criteria. Uh, we we held a, a a march and rally in support of the NYPD, and I happened to make it on July 11th at 11 o'clock, and we were marching from Bayridge Parkway, which is 75th Street, to 86th Street. So somebody said, wow, that's the 11th day 
at the 11th hour, and they're marching 11th blocks. Can you imagine? So the 11th uh, alphabet in the, 11th, uh, the 11th letter in the alphabet is K. So they came up with KKK. I never would have thought of that. I just know July 11th was my birthday, and I was having this big rally on my birthday. That's all I knew. <laughs> but where do these allegations come from? I don't know. There are people out there that are claiming that we're white supremacists. I don't understand where it's coming from. I don't, I don't know how they're coming up with this. But I, as I said, they can come up with anything they want to fit their criteria any way they can. And when I tell people how they did this and how they came up with it, it's just unbelievable. They can't believe it. Like, you know, we have a state senator out here, Andrew Gennardis, and I, and I can't believe some of the accusations that he's making. Well, he's blaming me for all of the, and everybody that's organized these rallies for any violence that's occurred. I don't understand that how, how that's the case. The rally that we held in Diker Heights on July 11th, uh, which was a Saturday, and it was a beautiful day, we had a thousand people, a thousand people came out to support the NYPD. And they were people from all areas. Uh, what I mean by that, we had people from Diker Heights, people from Bay Ridge, people from Bensonhurst, people from all over the, uh, the community from several different backgrounds. They were different ethnicities, different religions, whatever it was. It was a great variety of people of coming together to support our NYPD and just show them that we love them, we thank them, and we want, we're there to support them. Yeah, now, you're, you're chairman of the Conservative Party for Kings County. What does the Conservative Party stand for? Well, the Conservative Party stands for a number of things, but one of them definitely is for public safety. We are there to support the NYPD. That's why we helped organize this rally. We're, we're for lower taxes, for a good standard of living. We're, we're there to make sure that the people can live their lives the way they want to live them and not be told by government or anyone else how they should live their life but to make sure that they're living in a comfortable environment where they can be safe, they can live uh, a, a life that where they're not choking from taxes, from fees, from anything that the government wants to shove down their throat. All right, and, and one of the things, like some of our Christian listeners out there, the conservative party is the only political party in New York that right to life is part of of their agenda. Correct. We have a platform. I don't know how many actual state parties, uh, state political parties have an actual platform. The Conservative Party has a platform. It's had one since the beginning of its inception in 1962. That platform includes a right to life platform. And part of that is definitely the right to life for the unborn. We're there to support them, their civil rights, to make sure that they're being protected. We've spoken out on that a number of occasions. That's in our platform. We support right to life, but not only for the unborn, but also for end-of-life issues as well. All right, now let me ask you, Andrew Gennardis, when he first was sworn into office in Albany, one of his first votes was practically to make infanticide legal. 100%. The bill that he passed was exactly that. You could you you if you were born, uh, they weren't going to uh, they weren't going to save you. They they wanted you to just uh, you know just die if you happen to survive an abortion. Um, as far as uh, being born just before uh, the the birth of a child, if, uh, and you were trying to be born, and they would perform an abortion at that point in time, that would that's legal. They wanted to codify the Roe v. Wade and everything else that goes with it. In addition to that, they were making it so that in that bill, you didn't have to be a doctor to perform abortions. You just had to be some type of medical 
person, whatever that may be. So the safety of the child, the safety of the mother, nothing was being considered there. Obviously, this was a bill about death. That's really what it's about, about the unborn not being born and not protecting them and per perpetuating this whole pro-abortion agenda. Now, you know, one of the more controversial, and, and, and I don't, it, it seems actually, like, Democrat, be, go ahead. Yeah, if I can add something to that. That bill also decriminalized, if you were pregnant and you were uh, being attacked by somebody and you happened to be stabbed or shot or whatever, that no longer was a crime on the child at that point. That was not murder for that child at that point. They, where in the past that was considered murder, no longer. So that what they were saying was um, it was an abortion that was happening against the woman's right. If you were pregnant, obviously you wanted to carry that, that pregnancy to term. This bill is saying, well, if somebody attacked you, it wasn't an attack against the child. It wasn't murder. Now, one of the more controversial things that the Democratic legislature passed uh, after the the past election, and this is where elections do have consequences, bail reform. How's the conservative party stance on bail reform? Obviously, we're opposed to it. Um, this bail reform bill that they passed has been nothing but a disaster for this state, for this city. Crime has continued to rise because there's no there's no consequences. You can, you know, commit a crime, and there's no there's really no consequences. You're out the next day. Um, it's a problem. We're, we're opposed to it. We continue to be opposed to it. We want to have public safety in, the, in this city, in this state. And this bill does not help public safety. It hurts it tremendously. And not, it's not only the conservative party saying that, but you have the, the commissioner of the NYPD talking about it. He regularly talks about how this has harmed their, their, the, way, their, the way that they can protect this city. They, he continually talks about how it's harming the public safety in this city. So it's not just the conservative party. It's actually the commissioner of the NYPD and other public safety personnel. And a lot of the DAs, including Democratic DAs, have spoken against this bill. That's correct. Our That's correct. Staten Island DA. Staten Island DA is, is absolutely opposed to it, and he's a Democrat. So this is not about Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal. This is about common sense. This bail reform bill has done nothing but destroy the public safety in our community. Okay, and if if somebody wanted to learn more about the Conservative Party, where the, where would they do so? Uh, they can go to brooklynconservativeparty.com. We also have a uh, Facebook page, a Twitter, and an Instagram. And you know what? Like sometimes, your people don't understand. If if you want to do something about it, you guys accept volunteers. 100%. We accept volunteers all the time. We're looking for people to become involved in the conservative party, to become involved in politics, and to help push forward an agenda that's going to improve our community, our state, and our country. Uh, we need it now more than ever. We, there's a group out there, obviously we all know it, what's happening, that our elected officials are not standing up for our communities. They're not standing up for our state. They're not standing up for our city. They're standing up for themselves. They want to have an agenda where they're going to change the entire government, the entire city, state, and, and nation. We have to put a stop to that. We have to stop what they're doing right now so that we can have a life that will be safe. We can have our education. Uh, we can have uh, a, a situation where we're not suffering from taxes and we're not, we have uh, good housing. And all of this will not continue if we allow what's happening to happen right now, if we allow that progressive alt-left agenda to occur.
the disrespect for the NYPD, the disrespect for communities, we have to stop that. We have to be the force to stop that, and we're looking for people all the time to be involved with the conservative party. So if you want to be on our team, please join us. As I said, we are on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. We are also, our phone number is also 718-921-2158, and we're at brooklynconservativeparty.com. Fran, thank you for being on Connor's Corner. Thank you. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500 or connorsandsullivan.com. All right, how you doing today? Just great. How are you, sir? Okay, pretty good. How's the sound? The sound sounds great. Okay. I don't have any problem. Okay. I hear you loud and clear. Very good. You ready? Answer any questions? I'm ready. Okay. No. No? <laughs> no. no You're supposed to be the one with the questions. Right, right. I'll have the questions. <laughs> okay, just let me count down. Three, two, one. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. Right now, we're very pleased to have, you know, a star of stage and screen and television, and most importantly, television, the real Virginian, James Drury. How are you doing today, sir? Well, just fine. I'm glad to be able to talk to you and your, your wonderful audience out there, wherever they may be. Well, we're where in New York and New Jersey. By, where are you located, by the way? We're taping in Brooklyn, New York. We're in New York and New Jersey. Two stations. Oh, well, well, that's great. Well, I was, believe it or not, born in Manhattan, on Manhattan Island, so that's my, my home country. And uh, uh, it's a long story about how I got to be a cowboy, but we can go into it if you like. Yeah, how did you become a cowboy born in Manhattan? Well, I, was, I went my first trip to, to Oregon when I was six weeks old. We went north or went west in a car with my mom and dad and two or three cats and my sister. And... Uh, uh, my my folks uh, had ranch property in Oregon. My dad was a professor at New York University, and my mother was an Oregon girl who went to New York and took some courses and married a professor. So that was the story of their life, and they always had ranch property out in, in Oregon where she'd been born. And so I got a chance to uh, grow up in New York City uh, some, some winters, and some winters I spent in Oregon and got the best of both worlds. So... Uh, it kind of gave me my ranch background. I got on my first horse when I was in diapers. So that was uh, a good background for the, the role that I was able to finally get in play. So that was uh, kind of a capsule of the whole thing. Okay. But I certainly recognize your accent, and 
I'm very fond of of uh, the Big Apple and all all of the boroughs that surround it. <laughs> now, before the Virginian, you were very active. You make more than a few films, and of course, a lot of TV. And some people oh, may, yeah. may not remember, but you were in Forbidden Planet. That's correct. In 1954, I got a movie contract, a seven-year contract at MGM. I had just finished my junior year at NYU and went west for a vacation for a week or so. I was only going to be gone a week or so, and I got the contract and stayed for 30 years. So uh, that was uh, that was uh, I started work right then, and I never returned to, to get my complete my senior year at NYU, and I. I regret that sometimes, but actually I was preparing to, to have a professional career, so it was it was perfect uh, the way that things worked out, and I wouldn't change a thing. But uh, uh, it was uh, it was just a, a, an amazing thing, a Cinderella story, or Cinderella story. I I had uh, auditioned for a talent scout for Lowe's Incorporated, which was MGM, in New York before I left, and I didn't think he was. Very interested in me because he was getting a shoe shine throughout the entire audition, but apparently he saw something in me because he called MGM and they called me when I got to the coast and said to come into the studio and I did and they they uh, interviewed me and signed me the next day. So that was a very fortunate thing and I got to get my start in the, in, in motion pictures and we did seven pictures. Uh, let's see, I did seven pictures that first year at MGM. And I had a total of about 12 lines, and I think two of them were in Forbidden Planet. But I played crewman Strong, and along with Bob Dix, a friend of mine, we were the two crewmen that were killed by the invisible monster. And that's not an easy thing to do. So we uh, we really had a lot of fun with that. That was Leslie Nielsen's first picture as well. Uh-huh. Well, okay, that, that's historic in its own right. Uh, let me ask you something. One of the favorite films of some of our listeners or whatever western classic western ride the high country how did you get into right. that well i had known sam peckinpah for some time uh he was uh, worked as a writer as well as a director and he had written a script for bob culp's series trackdown uh and i got cast as a heavy in that in that show and i got to know him and we we spent a lot of time together during during the filming of that, and then when uh, Ride of the High Country came up, he wanted to cast Bob Culp in my part. Uh, I, unbeknownst to me, of course, I learned this many years later, but uh, Culp's manager said, we don't want Bob Culp playing a heavy. He's a leading man, and he, he shouldn't be playing a villain. So they turned it down, and he cast me instead, and it was a great, great uh, experience. Uh, of course... Working with Peckinpah uh, was was uh, just a, a magical t- a time in my life. He was such a genius in the way he moved the camera and moved everything around. And I had some of the finest actors in the Western field or any field uh, working with me as my brothers. I had L.Q. Jones and Warren Oates, John Anderson, and John David Chandler. And what a what a bunch of mountain boys we were. And uh, we really were able to provide a counterpoint to um, Joe McCray and, and Randall Scott as, as uh, the, the, the heroes of the picture. And it turned out to be a, a classic. They play it somewhere every day uh, around the world. 
and uh, it's probably playing right now as we speak somewhere. And I'm very proud to have been associated with that and with, with Sam. It was a great cast, and all of you guys did a great job, and it really is a great film. Uh, it, it, it hasn't. It's it stood the test of time for sure. Now, how did the Virginian? Did did you know you were going to be the Virginian when you were filming Ride the High Country? Or I know they're close in the same time. No, it was all all in 1962. I I had finished Ride the High Country, and I was called out to Universal, and they signed me to a seven year contract. I had no idea that they had the Virginian in mind. If I had, I would have asked for a lot more money. But uh, they they apparently were, were thinking of me as a Virginian all along. And after I'd been there about three weeks, they called me in and asked me to do a screen test for the Virginian. I did the screen test. Their only comment was, you're too fat, lose some weight. So I went and lost some weight and did another screen test. And they said, you're too fat, lose some weight. So in 30 days, I lost 30 pounds. And then finally, on the third screening test, they, they said they informed me and Doug McClure that we had the parts of the Virginian and Trampas on the Friday night before the Monday morning that we started to shoot. And nine years later, we were done. So that was uh, the way things happened in Hollywood in those days. And I guess undoubtedly still happened that way. Uh, and we were... We were uh, 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 able to uh, secure both those roles and go forward with them, and we both had a an absolutely magnificent time doing the show. It was it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Uh, it was logistically and it was a nightmare. We had uh, uh, on one day, I remember, I appeared in five different episodes because we were uh, because of our ninety minutes length. We uh, took us a week and a half or eight day eight shooting days. Uh, on an average to shoot one of those things and we had we used them up every five days so we had to we had to run multiple units in order to make our air dates and lots of times i'd be in every one of the episodes so i'd go from one set to to another on horseback or by car and have to straighten out what i had to do in that particular segment of that particular episode and then go on and do something else in another episode and Doug did the same quite a bit. So there was uh, there was a lot of uh, heavy duty uh, concentration necessary to to complete the show. But we we uh, we did it uh, happily and lovingly. I had a ball every day. Uh, never had a bad day on the set. I mean, I had a wonderful time doing it all through the series, the entire nine years. I would have gone on for another nine years if it hadn't gone off the air. Now you had some great guest stars on the. On that show, absolutely. Who were, who who are some of your fond memories working with? Well, we had Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. We had George C. Scott and Colleen Dewhurst. We had uh, Donna Winter, and uh, uh, we had uh, Charles Bickford. And we had uh, Charles later became a permanent member of the cast. We had just everybody in Hollywood came to play those roles because since we had a ninety-minute format. Our writers could write very big, important, juicy guest star roles for men and women. And actors will walk over broken glass barefoot to play a part they want to play. So they'd read these scripts and say, well, I want to play that part, and I'll go play it on the Virginian. And they'd come and, and play the parts. And it was uh, it was magnificent because every day when I went down the hill from my house to the studio to, to, to work, I knew I was going to be working with somebody wonderful. 
and I had the chance to work with all these magnificent actors and actresses. So it was uh, it was just a dream come true. The whole uh, the whole situation and the whole the whole uh, story was was amazing that we'd have all these people to come and work with us. And uh, a lot of people that I had admired all my life, you know, and and gosh, it was uh, it was fantastic to have those those folks to to play with and play off of. And uh, of course, it raised the level of our work because we were working with such magnificent performers, and we were able to to uh, meet them head on. We had we had Robert Redford, we had uh, uh, we had uh, Harrison Ford, we had a lot of a lot of people that are are prominent today uh, were in the show at one time or another. Now, so, the first two names you mentioned, Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. So what was it like working with them? They weren't on the same show, though. Oh, gosh, no. No, yeah. <laughs> no well, we did a show with Betty Davis first, and she she and I became really good friends, and she took my wife and myself to dinner a couple of times, and we talked quite often on the phone, and she was just uh, really uh, – uh, uh, became a good friend, and as soon as Joan Crawford was cast in the show, I couldn't get Betty Davis on the phone, and I never talked to her again as long as I lived. She, uh, uh, there was a real bad, uh, bad blood between those two ladies, and I don't know what it was about. No one, I, I, I guess, but I suspect it was over some guy. But you know, uh, that's uh, neither here nor there. They. They just did not get along, and I don't know how they ever made that picture, Hush uh, Hush Sweet, Sweet Charlotte, together, because they were just at each other's throats, you know, when they were they were off the screen, but uh, they did a great job in that picture. But uh, I had a great time working with both of them. I enjoyed uh, their, their wonderful, marvelous talent and their their, their way of doing things, and I, I just had a fantastic time. I just wish that I hadn't lost uh, Betty Davis's friendship by working with Joan Crawford. Of course, I had nothing to do with casting Joan Crawford. She just was there one morning when I showed up for work, but that didn't cut any eyes with Betty, so <laughs> that was the way it went, you know. Now, you talked about those two. Of, of the great male actors that were on your show as a guest star who would you who would you have the fondest memory of or the greatest pleasure well, working with i think george c scott probably uh without without doubt he was just such a such a dynamic individual and so so on top of his game all the time and uh it was an inspiration to work with him and uh and with many many others of course i i really enjoyed working with all of them that the Came, came through the door, and uh, it was just uh, every week there'd be somebody new. So we uh, we we really enjoyed it, and uh, it would it, it it gives you so much uh, uh, energy when you're working with someone with with a lot of uh, energy and talent uh, opposite you. It, it gives you uh, a way to really. Uh, just raise the level of your performance way, way above what it would be if you were working with someone who who was not in possession of such great gifts, you know. So that's that's the way we reacted to it, and and uh, I think it it's held up pretty well. We we had our 50th anniversary of our uh, start of the show on 2012. That was 50 years from 1962, and. Uh, 
about that time it got back on the air on a couple of venues. It's now still on uh, Inspiration Channel on Fridays and Saturdays. I think they show it six times. And uh, at the same time, the the entire uh, the entire show, all nine seasons, came out on DVD from Timeless Media in Eugene, Oregon. And that uh, those two events uh, created so much interest in the in the show again, and so many more people are watching it, and young people are watching it, kids are watching it that had never heard of it or seen it. That I'm in great demand around the country for personal appearances, and uh, if I if I wasn't at home taking care of my wife, who's not been very well, and I'm uh, I'm her principal caregiver at the moment, but. If I wasn't home doing that, I'd be traveling all over the country this summer, uh, as I have been every summer for the last uh, several years, uh, going from one place to another, making personal appearances and meeting with fans, you know. So it's a great demand for for me. And and, uh, I get an awful lot of uh, uh, interest in in the show and in myself and in the whole cast on our website, which is... Uh, the Virginian.net that's run out of uh, London, Ohio, by a gal named Karen Lindsay, and uh, she does a great job. And we're constantly filling orders here for pictures and merchandise and all sorts of things from the show. So uh, it's it's given a whole new lease on life to me and to the the cast. And we we travel together quite a bit. We're just arranging uh, uh, an event in Swanton, Ohio, outside of Toledo for next April. I was talking to LQ Jones about this morning, and he's going to—he says he's going to come. So, that's so where are you and LQ Jones going to be again? There's one in Ohio at an event called Saddle Up for Vets. It's a—it's uh, a big horse show and uh, a mounted shooting exhibition. Uh, the Cowboys come in from uh, a club there in Ohio called the, the Black Swamp Bandits. And they uh, put on a magnificent demonstration of mounted shooting. They shoot wax bullets at, at balloons, of course, but it, it requires a great deal of uh, expert horsemanship and a great deal of accuracy with their firearms. So they they really put on a great show. And we raise all of the proceeds go to veterans' families in the area, and we raised a lot of money for them over the last six years. Uh, I don't know what the total is, but it's way up there. And uh, there's a lot of veterans' families that are uh, have financial difficulties with their their mortgage or their their payments or whatever, and they need help. So we've been trying to provide it and uh, and have, have eased the burden for a lot of them up there. And that's what I'm that's what it's all about. We're we're just uh, uh, dedicating that. And the whole cast is coming this time, or everybody that's still alive, and. Uh, LQ will be there, and he was a very uh, important part of the show uh, for many years, and we, we're going to look forward to, to spending some time with him. So, Okay, what's the date uh, on that? I'd love to be there. That's uh, uh, April 21st through the 25th, I believe. Swanton is a, a suburb of Toledo, Ohio, right there on Lake Erie. And uh, there's a lady there that started this six years ago, and I was the first first one that went and from then on we built we built uh, on the foundation and it's become quite a big event and people come from all over the midwest to see it and to see us and so it'll be a, a lot of uh, a lot of fun and a lot of excitement up there well, we look forward to that now after you 
finished acting, what? how'd you spend your time? What'd you do for a living? Well, I never finished acting. I'm not retired from acting and probably never will retire from acting. I'm 81 now, and I am uh, hardened by the fact that Sir John Gilgood was working in films when he was 97. So I figure there's a few more shots left in me if we get a chance to to do some things, and I certainly hope we do. Acting is a it's not a job with me, it's a calling. I've always been drawn to it. I started when I was eight years old at the Greenwich Settlement House in New York City, playing King Herod in a biblical play for children. And at the end of the, the performance, the people clapped, and from then on I was hooked. So I've been studying it all the rest of my life, and I'm still acting. I've, of course, I've done many, many other things, and living in Texas, I've been involved in the oil and gas business and the insurance industry and uh, lots of a lot of construction, a lot of different industries down here. But I've always tried to keep my sights on on securing other acting jobs. You know, an actor never knows when he's going to work again when he finishes a job, and that's that's the position I'm in now. And I'm waiting for somebody to call me and say they want you to do this or that or, or the other thing. And I I have faith that it will happen. So we'll see. Very good. Well, it, it, it's been a pleasure talking to you. We're running out of time, but I'm going to try to put on my calendar that April 21st to 25th and get some more information out to our audience on that one. Okay. Well, uh, arrange to call me back closer to the time, and we'll talk more about it. We'll do it. James Jury, the Virginian. Everybody thinks right, the Virginian. Sir. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye. The Guild for Exceptional Children, or GEC, has been providing excellent care to children and adults with developmental disabilities since 1958. It is our mission to help build better lives and brighter futures for the people in our care. We serve nearly 1,000 individuals each day and are proud that 90 cents of every dollar is used for actual services. Please visit www.gecbklyn.org or call 718-833-6633 to learn more. I think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God. I just had everything under control, and church was actually a, a burden to me. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. No, I didn't take my faith seriously, which, which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. You can have a beautiful car, a big fancy home. If you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there. We are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust, especially as a man. But there's a true freedom to not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. Thank God I'm home. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. You're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. You know, again, James Drury, rest in peace. And, and I mean, sometimes, like, I, when I look at all, I've been watching more TV over the last couple of months than I've ever watched in, in my life. quarantine. Yeah, but, you know, like, what, James Drury, you forget how many TV shows he was on before The Virginian. You know, he pops up in A Rifleman. He pops up uh, in this series or that series, some TV movies and some films. You know, like, remember we talked to Deborah Paget not that long ago, and uh, she was in the movie with Elvis Presley, and James Drury was in that one. (laughs) 
you know. So he, he pops up all along. Very good actor. Did a great job in Ride the High Country. And if, if you know, like, look around the high country. You saw it. I saw it the other night on TV. It's on TV all the time. One, I would say one of the last classic westerns. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean. And what's interesting is it's a classic western, one of the la- done in the style of someone who basically was one of the people who helped invent the new western. Right. Yeah. At that time. Right. Yeah, I mean, Sam Peckinpah at the very end of the film, you get Sam Peckinpah of the future. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, to this day, I cannot watch the end without crying. It is just heartbreaking, magnificent, but heartbreaking. Okay, so. We're going to take off for another week. Uh, again, don't forget us at Connors and Sullivan. We're open. We're ready to serve you. We're here, and y'all be careful. Stay Wear safe, everyone. Stay safe, stay healthy, and have a great weekend. David Kincaid, take us home. We're on hallowed ground. Voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this soul away. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this soul away. Kevin McCullough, are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, but when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors and Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Don't let nursing home bills take your life's savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Don't wait another minute. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. That's 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors and Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC.